Diffusion. Everybody stand by and action. The home of alternative and independent rock and roll. Diffuser is the place where music fans come to talk. Join the conversation. This is Diffuser Radio. Diffuser Radio. Another episode of Diffuser Radio. I am having a lot of fun with this podcast series and I hope you are too. My name is Chuck Armstrong. I am the editor-in-chief of Diffuser. And in this episode, I had the chance to hang out with the brotherly duo of the bots, uh, comprised of Anaya and Micaiah Lee. These guys are based in Los Angeles, and they're just this garage rock duo that, well, they rock. And uh, and I, I've seen them before, and I've gotten to, to chat with them in the past. Uh, but this conversation, we chatted about their debut album, Pink Palms, and vinyl. And it made sense because we chatted right before their show at Rough Trade in New York City. Rough Trade is uh, the biggest record store in New York City. And so it was fun talking to them in that setting. And these guys are huge vinyl fans, so it made for a really uh, fun conversation. But before we get into that interview, this episode's roundtable focuses on, well, all things physical, the physical side of music. And kind of the question that we pose is, will the physical product play a role in the industry's future? Seems like a simple question, but the answer is definitely not simple. We examine that and more. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Diffuser Radio. You're listening to Diffuser, where we don't just cover the news, we are the news. This is the Diffuser Roundtable. Very excited for another edition of the uh, Diffuser Roundtable. As always, my name is Chuck. I am the editor of Diffuser, and you can find a lot of this discussion at our website. We publish several columns and opinion pieces each week, and you can sound off in the comments uh, whether you agree or disagree. And uh, today, the Roundtable is joined by three of Diffuser's columnists, Tim Karen, who also serves as their senior editor, and he is calling from Pittsburgh, PA. Chris Kissel calling from Brooklyn and Mr. James Stafford out of the great state of California. So coming up, uh, I actually have the the uh, opportunity to chat with uh, the up and coming garage rock duo, the bots, who, even though they're young, are massive fans of vinyl. And uh, we recently published a story, actually set the bots to the side, uh, but we recently published a story about music sales in 2014 and how the business overall was down except vinyl. Vinyl actually increased in uh, 2014. And while that's still a fraction of the business, it's still an interesting concept that vinyl could actually be a bright spot uh, in the 21st century in 2014 and 2015. And even more interesting is as vinyl was up, so was streaming. Uh, So the question I kind of want to pose to each one of you guys uh, and a question that I will chat with the bots about coming up is, is simple. It's a simple question, maybe not a simple answer. But does the physical product matter to the future of the music industry? And, and right now, I'm not asking about your personal tastes, but rather, how do you see the physical product benefiting or not benefiting uh, the industry, the business side of things in the coming years? So, James, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, Chuck, I got a couple different takes on this, but, but I'll, I'll go with the one that's a, a more specific to your, your question first, I think. Um, I think that physical product is, is always going to be a part of the industry because there are, there are different, different kinds of experiences between um, uh, uh, listeners and, and musicians. There's, there are, I, I think, what I would call kind of the, the, kind of the fast food lane. Um, all I want is the music. I just want to hear it. I want to consume it. I want to move on. And then there are there are, are there's always going to be people who are, are more invested, 
who who want an artifact, who want uh, kind of a fetish item. They want something to collect, to hold, to stick on a shelf, to to put on the wall, etc. And and I don't see that ever really going away. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a fair point. Um, Chris, how about you? I just I don't know enough about. what motivates people in the music industry, you know, to say that I think that they're going to find some really compelling way to use uh, physical, you know, physical copies of albums or packaging or something to sort of turn around the, the trend in buying physical copies. I know how I feel about it. I know that it enhances my experience, but I also um, am a nerd and (laughs) I have, you know, I have an interest in this thing the way that some people have interests in cars and, you know, whatever, and college football or whatever. So I, I'm not super optimistic that the music industry will come around to or will find some way to really monetize packaging just because, you know, as, as magical as I think it all is, I don't, I'm not confident that most people share that opinion or that the music industry will find some way to, to monetize it. And Tim, uh, do you share that uh, optimism, <laughs> the same, the same uh, optimism as, uh, as Kissel? Um, I just, I'm not sure if it's optimism, but I, I don't yeah. think that, um, no, <laughs> there's not going to be, I think that uh, you guys, uh, James really kind of touched on the, the fetishism of vinyl, um, those serve as collectors' items, but I think, uh, you know, as a as a sort of a day to day being in a band, having a physical product is, is definitely not going to be necessary because that would mean that there would be some sort of technological advance now beyond what CDs are that are still physical. You know what I mean? But it's not going to happen. It's all it's going to from here on in. It's going to be digital and contained on you know, on in the cloud. So I mean, you can easily be in a band and 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 you know print up some CDs, but you can definitely exist without having a physical product. If you just exist on Spotify and YouTube, and you can put out vinyl, but again, that's really that's never going to be for people who are just like, man, I need to listen to this right now. It's just for people who really want to listen to it. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, specific uh, audience, I think. As you know, and, and specifically talking about vinyl, um, just recently. I read, uh, right? We, we stumbled on a website where you can uh, subscribe to a monthly record, and in addition to the record, they send you a recipe uh, for, a, for, a, for a dish, and they'll send you a couple of the premium ingredients. Uh, and, the, and there's a, you know, there's a couple other vinyl subscription services too. And so, but that, that's very specific. I don't think that necessarily paints a picture of the future of the industry or, or business. Uh, so I, I want to see, does anybody want to tackle this question? I mean, do you think that the industry w- could exist if there, were, if there was not a single physical product uh, being sold or being bought? No. I mean, somebody, <laughs> I mean I don't, somebody's got to buy something. But I don't think that that's where most of the revenue comes from anyway for artists. Right. Um, but it's it's a weird i think that yeah we have a all of us grew up with and even you know kids now are aware that CDs exist they see them in target they know that music can be purchased and put on your own shelf and i think that that will always there will always be a part of us that kind of needs to have that to physically own something 
but definitely not to the extent that we ever had it. Like I was carting around 700 CDs everywhere I went for a decade, you know? Right. Not yeah. going to happen anymore. <laughs> I think there's a question of the longevity of, of the industry um, without physical media. And I'm thinking specifically of uh, Vince Cerf's, that article that came out last, last month about uh, – you know, the, the potential for a lost century, you know, Vince Cerf being one of the fathers of the internet, talking about our digitized lives and um, how we could have an entire generation or several generations of people who just kind of vanish from the historical record because they only exist digitally, their photographs, their, their letters, etc. And, you know, by some estimates, uh, 80% of the music that's been recorded worldwide has never been digitized. So, you know, if you think about that, we have uh, the history, 80% of the history of the music industry is out there in physical media and has never been digitized, but it's, it's, it's saved. It, it can't vanish. It can't be part of that, that lost century, so to speak. So if, if the entire industry goes digital and physical media ceases to exist, um, you know, where... What's going to happen to to you know the, the the future Robert Johnsons of the world, whose whose physical media just sits on a shelf for decades before it's it's rediscovered and and brought back for a new generation. But the flip side of that is, if you have you know the only recording of a band and it's on vinyl or CD or uh, cassette or eight track or whatever, and it hasn't been digitized. And you drop it, or you step on it, and, you, and it shatters. It's gone. It's and and then it does become part of that lost, that lost century. It's mm, a valid point. <laughs> you just have to be careful with your music. <laughs> there you go. I I can definitely foresee an industry that that doesn't rely on selling physical things. I think they will still sell physical things because. There are people like us, and there are a lot of people like us, and there are record stores that are staying in business because of people like us who, for aesthetic reasons or sentimental reasons or any and all of the above, we like to buy physical copies and we like you know to listen to things in specific kinds of weird arcane formats. But, I mean, there's not... It's just not convenient for most people. It's more expensive, for, for now at least, and you don't have access to as much music instantly. So to me, from a purely economic standpoint, I can't see, I mean, the trends are, are all pointing to what I think is a, an obvious conclusion, which is, you know, I think at some point it's going to be 95% digital and 5%, you know, for us, for us collectors and, you know, aesthetic uh you know, people who kind of enjoy the specific media. Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, and I think, you know, to James's point, like, there's definitely, there's a lot of music from a historical standpoint, you could lose a lot. And, you know, not having physical copies means that you're always at risk of some server, uh, you know, getting wet or something. But at the end of the day, I don't think that, you know, you're talking about business, and I think that, that, the convenience factor is always going to motivate people. And I, I, I just think that we're in the vast minority. You know, the, a business is a, a, an interesting point to me because I think that the, the obsolescence of physical things is to, to a certain extent, it's a marketing construct. 
you know, um, 10 years ago, for example, I, I remember being mocked shamelessly because I still wore a watch. Why do you need a watch? You know, your time is on your phone. You don't need a watch. And then what's the what's the the, the big technological uh, marketing push right now? It's it's the smartwatch, right? Sure. Yeah. So you know, we we obsoleted a physical object only to bring it back in a different form because people still want physical objects. Well, I, I I think there's I think there's something about it. So you know, like Kissel, Chris, I know you. Uh, you mentioned the 95% and the 5%, um, and not that that's necessarily a you know, a hard and fast number, but I think that's a pretty good guess. Um, but I, I feel like that 5% is really, really important. And even though it, it caters to people like us, collectors, nerds, you know, people in the industry who just who eat, sleep, and breathe music, or, or you know, old-timers who just have never uh, downloaded Spotify or anything like that, I still think it's a very important number, and I think it's a very important thing for Tim, like you mentioned, to be able to walk into Target and still see music, even if you even if you see an album and you go home and download it. There's still I I think there's still something just knowing that oh you know what Taylor Swift pressed her new album on vinyl. I'm never gonna buy it on vinyl, but and I'm always gonna download it from iTunes, uh, and I'll never listen to it on Spotify because it's not there. But just knowing that you know there's people who want to buy it on vinyl or knowing that I see it at, at a concert. I think that's, there's no way to quantify this. There's no concrete evidence of this, but I think, you know, I just, I have to believe that that plays a role in kind of the overall landscape, whether you buy it or not. Well, I, I think two things. I think for one thing, vinyl is really trendy right now, which is why somebody like Taylor Swift would put her record on vinyl is, you know, a lot of her, most of her fans probably don't have record players. She probably did it because people think it's interesting and they know that there's collectors who will buy anything, even if they don't have record players because they're really trendy, people will buy that stuff. But I think the, the other point is the one that's probably more long lasting, which is I think there's always going to be a, a market for vinyl and for cassette tapes and, you know, whatever for, for some of these physical media, just because they do have a lot of, redeeming aspects outside of whether they're trendy right now or not that people like us who really like listening to music and devote real time to it can appreciate. To me, it's kind of like, if you think about bicycles, for example, people don't rely on, people don't need to rely on bicycles to get them to work, but some people still ride bicycles to work because they like riding bicycles to work. So there's still an entire industry around building bicycles and selling bicycles and fixing bicycles it's a fraction of the industry around building and selling cars, but it still exists. It's just for a smaller segment, arguably more passionate, but you know you can leave that for, for what it is, a, a specific segment of the population that just enjoys it because, you know, not because they need to do it that way, but because they like it. And I, that's where I see this going. So... I think we need to wrap this roundtable up. Um, I love this discussion. I think we could chat for probably a couple more hours. Uh, but before before we go, I, I think each of you, um, you know, we keep saying like people like us, people like the people listening to this podcast. Uh, I, you know, I think we all probably have our own uh, interests and, and uh, desires when we go out to a record store or when we are looking for new music. So I'd love to hear if uh, the three of you guys are cool with it. Kind of walk me through if you have a certain routine or if there's something 
specific, you know, some some specific physical product that you that you love, uh, that you uh, you know that 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 is definitely uh, not popular or anything like that. Uh, James, I I know that you have a routine, and so I'll, I'll let you kick this off. Yeah, my my life is dictated by routine, and <laughs> and uh, my record buying Saturdays are a very very specific routine. I have an order in which I go to my record stores, which fortunately I live in a city big enough that there are I have multiple record stores that I can visit. Um, you know, the first thing I do is I, I hit the uh, well. I say hi to the guys at the counter. I hit the the rare wall right behind the counter, looking for bootlegs and uh, you know rarities, things that are out of print, uh, that kind of thing. And then I hit the the new releases after that. And then I I, I walk the the stacks in a specific order to hit the specific bands that I hit every week to see if anything new has come in. Awesome. So it, yeah. And uh, how about you, Chris? Well, usually when I go to a record store, I just beeline for the new arrivals and I flip through them for about 20 to 30 minutes until I can't really justify doing it anymore. And then if I found <laughs> anything cool, I'll buy it. Um, I look for specific genres. So like I have like a little psychedelic radio show that I do in Brooklyn. And so I'll look for cool stuff to play on my radio show. And like there are some um, kinds of music that they carry a lot at the record store. So I'll I'll pick those up. But generally I'll just flip through it and buy everything that, you know, up to what I'm budgeted for that I think is interesting. And then I'll leave. <laughs> and Chris, uh, Chris is also one of the a few people who loves cassette tapes and he, uh, he wrote a piece about it. You can actually read it at diffuser.fm. I think I'm just reminding people that they love cassette tapes. Too. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. How about you, Tim? Um, I guess I'm not like you guys. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a nerd, but um, just not so much about music, which is funny because, I mean, I've been surrounded by it forever. I worked in record store when I was from, like, 1999 through 2004. Um, but I might as well be, a, like, a 14-year-old girl now. I, I haven't <laughs> bought uh, – I, I can't think of the last CD I bought – I don't really collect vinyl. I have like some of like my favorite albums on vinyl that either I got as a gift or something, but they just like I framed them <laughs> because I have I don't have a record player and I just don't really have any desire and like listening to it and you know any way other than how it's, you know, easy. So right. Um, my routine is basically, I mean, albums that I, sh <laughs> like, I, I mostly just go on Spotify on Tuesday and just see what came out and then just scroll through and I can listen to everything in the world for three seconds and then just, you know, move right on. Like, I remember I used to go to like record stores when you had to like put your, you had to scan a CD into a thing that would play like 50 seconds of a track. Right. I would stay there all day and just, you know, listen and listen and listen. And that just doesn't exist for me anymore. You know? No, that's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's fine, man. There's uh there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's, you know, just uh, part of this whole conversation and that, um, you know, that's, again it's it's five percent versus 95 percent um and I, 95 <laughs> yeah and i think you know i think everybody too probably has a bit of that in them as well i know you know we all listen to spotify or we all listen to things on youtube uh whether you buy vinyl or not you know that's still part of your musical uh consumption so i think with that guys we got to wrap this up so thank you very much tim james chris as always this is a great conversation i think uh, the next podcast, or maybe the, in a couple of roundtables, we're going to be chatting about uh, Record Store Day. And so uh, 
more discussion about vinyl. So get excited about that. Thank you guys very much. This is Diffuser. Hosted by Editor-in-Chief Chuck Armstrong. Uh, this is Chuck, the editor of Diffuser, hanging out with the bots in Brooklyn uh, in their brand new tour van outside of Rough Trade Records. Uh, the last time I talked to you guys was here in New York, over in Manhattan, mm-hmm. on the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys played a couple Strange. songs. A couple, songs. <laughs> a couple guys walking around. <laughs> I was like, you, you should use like a shotgun mic to pick that up and stuff. Like, what are you talking about? That's right, man. You guys sat on a park bench, played yeah. a couple songs. Uh, then after that, Pink Palms was released, your yeah. debut album. What's been going on since then? It's been a few months. We're now going to be playing the album. We've been playing it briefly here and there whenever we have shows and, and just kind of doing now we're, yeah, it's doing, doing actually really people good. really took a, a liking to it. We were very surprised. Filmed a, a couple videos for oh, it since then, small bit. Yeah. blinded video that Norman did with Norman Yeah, what was that like working with Norman Reedus? It was awesome. He was, he's... Uh, he's a he's a character. He's so he's such a nice dude, though. That's for sure. That's a, for yeah, me. nothing negative to say about him. He was a nice guy. <laughs> we filmed out here in New York for a little bit. Yeah, we did. We, we were here for um, gosh, we Love were here for like three, four, like a week, basically. How'd you guys get hooked up with him? He contacted us. He was in. I don't. I don't know who showed yeah. him the band. I don't know how he got Some into the band. Our people connected with his people because they know his people, or <laughs> some he, kind of he mutual. Found out the band, but then he yeah. asked to do a music video for that song specifically, and he was that was wow. And you guys were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, wow. And you guys are big Walking Dead fans. I don't really watch. No, I don't watch a lot. I'm, I'm not. Really know. Okay. I'm not gonna, I told him. I'm not gonna. His face. I was like, Norman. I've never seen face. an episode of your show. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> on the flight anymore. back from after filming with him, I watched an episode on the plane, and he wasn't in it. I watched a 45 oh, minute episode. Season. <laughs> it had like season 11 to like, like 12, and it had like four <laughs> episodes on each season. So I watched like season 11 episode 2 and he wasn't in it <laughs> and I was like Norman I tried watching a show you weren't in it it couldn't have been season it was 11. so rad I don't know it was, there's, it was only a se- there's only five seasons my, my point exactly that's how little I watched the show <laughs> but I don't even know what season they are don't even put this in there don't embarrass me <laughs> no it's good man this I already is had good. to tell it to his face so, oh yeah if he already knows it's <laughs> yeah, all good um, so, but, but you did it and but the I video is great man yeah Thank yeah, you very much. And working with him was was awesome. He's just very like charming and, and very <laughs> casual. He kind of says whatever he wants, and people will just go with it. Listen to it's him. One of those, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, if he wanted, he, he could. Yeah, it kind of does. He was like, "I want five breathers." And I'm like, "Okay, we'll, we'll try to make it happen." Everybody like ran off for 15 minutes. Come back like, I know five contortionists and six fire breathers in the local area. Like, how do you even find that? <laughs> it's just because Norman friends, throws it out there as an idea, all, and they, they all, all friends and all. Yeah, stuff, well, that's that's true. But my point is that like, yes, he he gets things done, which. Is very interesting the way he, he didn't goes about, care about it. The, we, we did he a lot of we did a lot of public shooting. Of he didn't really care about you know the fact that he's a famous actor, and that people could you know bombard him. Well, they did every that single person. like other minute. Oh yeah. He didn't really care about that. He was just about doing the video, and so we would shoot on. We shot on the train. We shot in the, the you know the sub the subway platforms. We shot in Times Square. We shot all these all these crazy. That's the, all everywhere that he wanted to shoot in New York. <clears throat> He didn't mind the fact that people were, you know, coming up every other minute saying... Every five minutes. Like yelling, Dar- yelling Daryl, 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 Daryl! You know? <laughs> Not Norman, Daryl, you know. Yeah, of course, right. Nobody knows his real name. Nobody. <laughs> Except <laughs> you guys. Because you don't know who, da- who Daryl is. <laughs> I do, I do, I do, though. I, do, I know a little bit about it, but it's, you know... Right on. No, the video's great, and it's oh, cool. And uh, the, the behind-the-scenes video you guys released before that yeah, was cool, better, too. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. 
Um, so with Pink Palms, it's out. You guys have been playing it. You're playing Rough Trade tonight, which is the uh, uh, biggest record store in New York City. Oh yeah, second That's time back. Second time, yeah. Second time back. There's the Rough Trade and uh, the two original ones in England. Yeah. Rough and you have yeah. you been there? We've been, yeah. Yeah, east and west, right? I've been to just east. I east. I've been to west once. It's like a small little record Smaller. store in like near, it's like in central we'll London. Play there eventually. We'll have to. Rough Trade is nice. <laughs> it's nice, but then I didn't even know that there was one in New York. Yeah, I didn't know they brought it over, but it makes sense. Oh yeah. Do we have Rough Trade in LA? No, there's no Rough Trade no. in LA. No Rough Trade yeah. in LA. Where's the nearest one besides? Is the only one? This, this is, is the only stateside one. Yeah. This is the only one. It's rare. I imagine it'll. Yeah, it's kind of eventually. But, but you don't want too many of like I don't want more than. There's like, three. Of them. I don't want to have like yeah. I know that's my point. Like you don't want more than that. I don't want more than like four amoebas in like my neighborhood. Like I only want <laughs> yeah, one no, there. Yeah, it's only yeah, like what true. four amoeba's in total. Slightly, isn't amoeba's slightly different. There's slightly, a couple, but my point there's a couple. But like my point exactly is not like two in L. A. There's one. You don't need too many of them. You have to go if it's in Hollywood. You have to go to that one to go to that one. There's not one. Yeah, something yeah. to celebrate. It becomes a, a you know touristy destination in, in certain cases, and oh, just a place awesome for like that, locals. It's and, awesome that Rough Trade has the this big one in in Brooklyn. It's nice. It really is yeah. big. They've it's got nice. They have the venue in there, so you, you know. The other one in England just has like a little small stage. Little it doesn't stage. have it just an actual. Like, yeah, it's a venue. But it's cool for yeah. it, which yeah. is great. Which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, this isn't even. I, I don't think it's even been open for two years yet. Yes, it's. New and you see, it's like popping. Yeah, right now there's a Pop line outside very the door. Abs- uh, Location wise, no, I wouldn't put it here. This is, <laughs> I mean, I guess. Space I mean, for the space, yeah, yeah, it's gigantic. It just seems literally almost in the like not in the middle of nowhere, but you gotta walk out of your way. Yeah, it's, it's a little kind of bit a, a dead end road. Just Brooklyn's always, you know, it's always growing though. So. I mean, you see the the line of cool kids hanging out outside the store. We saw, man. We saw. They're too cool. They're too cool for us. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I remember last time when you guys were in New York and we were hanging out, uh, we talked a little bit about vinyl, and Mm -hmm. I know you guys are big fans. Why is that? Like, why? You you, you guys are young. Yeah. You you know, you're probably younger than the stereotypical vinyl fan, maybe. Yeah. Actually, no, the you know, people know, that are into vinyl right now are exact, exactly yeah. the same, you know, 7, 16, 17, old, so. I'm 18 right now, he's 21. Right on. That's like the, that's It's a resurgence right in the, like, yeah. people definitely, five years ago, it was certainly less interest, and then five years before that, way less interest. You're people, right. it, it, um, I love it because, although, you know, as, as corny or whatever as it sounds, everybody always says vinyl sounds better, as stereotypical as that statement may be, it has a different life to it and it's a collector's yeah. it's like I have so many records that um, I've bought and had got signed by like my favorite artist and they sign the record and it feels like it's so much more valuable I feel like if I was a CD that was signed it'd be cool but I've got yeah. the big old you know it's, LP fold out uh, it's this, it's there's goodies in there the format of music that's been Around for around for a long time. Yeah, so there's a there's very the long. Fact that's that how grandpa yeah, and grandpa's grandpa listen to music. <laughs> so I love that it's keeping it's a tradition a alive in a sense. So. It's 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 welcoming. Yeah. It's it's comforting in a way. Uh, like, and have done right. It yeah, does and have done better, right. You know, it, oh yeah, have done right. Yeah. It sounds better because um, you just can't. I don't know. Digital people finally. I think I heard something recently. Like digital finally got up to or they're finally able to reproduce digital music at like a, a better quality like it wasn't as good when it first came out clearly like vinyl still right. sounded better and they barely like got it to a satisfactory point where like digital sounds good like close enough to vinyl like quality wise not the same texturally and sonically right but, yeah. um, 
I think that's interesting. And like, I mean, it's not like I've, been, I've bought any albums recently that have been very like spectacular package-wise, but I know like back in the days, dad would tell us he'd buy a Kiss album and you buy like Love Gun or whatever it came with like the pop gun and like stickers yeah. and tattoos yeah. and all this kind of good. And, and also getting, getting, I mean, uh, still shape, people that do deluxe getting, vinyl. Getting vinyl too, like, yeah. like, uh, like, uh, the cutouts or whatever. Oh, yeah. The like, um, imported vinyls yeah. and yeah. specialty colored discs. That was awesome. There's so many different ways. There's so many great it's all, collectible it's, it's collected, versions yeah, collectibles of vinyl. It's all like... That, that's a that's another reason why, yeah. It's not... It's, it's practical. It's not completely... It's not rendered useless. You could use this technology or just collect and save it and, and, and have a, it it's be... A fun, it's fun memorabilia. Yeah, it absolutely. Is, for sure. Uh, one of my uh, favorite packages is uh, Hawkwind, their album Space Ritual. I've not it, heard of this it record. It comes out. It, you got to look it up, man. It, it's got like, I can't. I don't even know how many. Like eight panels. So it unfolds and then it unfolds and then it unfolds <laughs> again. Unfold. Yeah, it's crazy. But I you know something like that. Window. Yeah, stuff you can't like do. That. You, you can't, can't do with yeah, a CD. You can't do on your iPhone. But what about you guys? Like what? Effect. What's some of your favorite? Uh, like, do you have one favorite record or something in your collection or something that you you don't have that you want? Man, I don't have a. I don't have a strong collection. I right now I'm just collecting when I see something that I like. You know, yeah. I don't have a lot of some guys. I wanted. I got a couple of records. I wanted to personally. What I wanted to collect. I, I got on um, Amazon the other day and I was looking at Barbara Mason uh, album and it had like it was like a just a really great album. It was like under twenty bucks. Barbara Mason. Nice. Really sick album. It had like a um, Are You Ready and a bunch of other really like. I do. I don't know. Like do. You, I forget the names of the songs. There's some There's really a lot good of, songs. I love Barbara Mason. She's very cool. Like, I like oldies, stuff like that, but one of my favorite albums I bought in a while, like a while ago, was um, I bought a yacht album. So when they just came up with their last album, uh, Shangri-La, and it was like hermetically sealed in this plastic bag, then you opened it, and it had like, kind of like book covers for like when you go to school, and it was like about 15 sheets of paper you go through, and like every page had like some weird poem and like lyrics and like spiritual guidance and like weird medicine, <laughs> like, it's like messages and symbols I couldn't understand, like hieroglyphics and like the kind of stuff you see on the back of the laundry tag with like the weird iron <laughs> yeah. in the pyramid and like all these I don't know what it meant but I was like this is really sick and had portraits of both of them on each side on nice. either side double fold it was a great great like aesthetically pleasing uh, album layout and like that's what I mean people that do that make the effort um, I also really like that PB&J album uh, Living Thing it has uh, a cover where everything is it's like a a room with like everything on the wall is written or everything that the item is made up of or the word is made up of what the item is yeah I know yeah, yeah, that sounds so confusing in my head my apologies <laughs> but then you open up the album and it's like a random like I'm standing by a very giant building and it doesn't match the inside but I loved it because it has so much more power like I feel like I've opened it up yeah. on a CD it wouldn't look as amazing but since it was a giant LP open it's like that big and it's them standing at the bottom of this giant building yeah. and you close it and it's two different sides full of words creating images and I'm like this is just you know brilliant like, yeah. people don't spend as much time I don't feel creating an album with the music and the entire design the packaging in mind people kind of make really amazing albums and sometimes I'm like it kind of seems like you rush the album cover it's such a, you could sell it if the packaging was I don't know just suit better suit it I don't yeah. know like, so what, what went into the uh, process of doing the cover for for uh, Pink Palms. Oh, I just did it. I just shot it. <laughs> I just want to... Um, right I uh, got footage from, um, film from a, a company called Impossible Project uh, for an old Polaroid film camera. I had oh, cool. 
just went out, shot some stuff in, in kind of like the backyard, went to a local um, bridal dress kind of shop, and the album cover is two mannequins yeah. that I, I took a picture of there. Inside is a local park uh, that's around the corner from my house. Just pictures from home, and it's nice because like nobody else is going to think about that or know that. At least they read and like say that I took the pictures, but nobody knows the backstory. It's like it's just my neighborhood, and it's, it's fond memories. Yeah, when I go back, when we go back, we could see like you yeah, know you drive by the, drive the by same that place store we took all the time. The album cover. <laughs> you can see the street sign in the album cover from the reflection yeah. of the glass, and there's minuscule details that make me offer some level of satisfaction. It's me and Anaya more or less have created something on our own without having to go through another middleman. I guess we're the middleman for that situation, yeah. so we get you know so. artist credit and we we decide on what we wanted it to look like and for the next album we'll do the same we'll make sure the album aesthetic layout is is it suits what we're listening to you don't yeah. want some you know you, i think i thought of an, uh, an album cover i've seen which is a great album cover it's real cool grimes had a really cool album cover it was like that real aggressive metal looking thing but also a super pop album you put yeah. it on there's like every song's it real doesn't cute quite match, yeah. it doesn't match it looks like a <laughs> metal album but it's a it's a pop album yeah so you've seen the cover with the yeah, skulls like it's it. wicked album cover she yeah. drew it herself and everything too is what i've heard so she's brilliant artist and whatnot and an artist both sense uh, drawing and creating right. music but yeah i mean like that works in certain cases i wouldn't want to make something so left field i, I like the contrast but I like to be conceptually consistent to an extent, to a certain point. Right. We had an album Connected cover to the music a bit. where we opened it up and our album was a birthday cake inside. And so <laughs> it was like real cool though. The CD was a birthday cake and it had the band name on it and the album title. Good, and then you close it and it was a random like robots and like donuts. <laughs> kind of annoying. All right. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. So it, it, to an extent, nothing has to really be the same, but right. it has to make a bit of sense. I yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> So you guys are, I mean, you know, as far as musically goes, you guys are young. Um, debut album out last year. But you're making waves, I think, you know, music videos, working with Norman Reedus, uh, you know, playing all over. And uh, your album was released on vinyl and, and just everything. We were so happy to get, we never... Uh yeah, yeah. didn't have vinyl, so it's, it's really amazing. Right, it's got to be awesome. Your, I mean, yeah, as, as, as like fans wax, of yeah. vinyl, yeah. It's I a, feel like we have awesome. a real band. <laughs> what's like, your uh, What's your perspective on the music industry? You know, I just I think I just saw something where streaming and digital downloads were all down in 2014. Vinyl was up. Um, you know, even though it's really? still even though it's still it's a very t- insignificant part of uh, you know the, the overall industry, it's mm-hmm. still rising. And yeah. so I'm just curious, like what your a little bit about that too, what your though. perspective is on the industry, like as you're kind of coming up in it. Right it, now, it's, uh, it's the digital era. It's crazy it how much, digital. how much, how much it's. There's people are torrenting music. You know, music isn't getting downloaded as much, but people are buying vinyl at the same time. So it's like uh, there's a, that two-way streak where people are buying music. But then also downloading, and yeah. it's heavily. It's not just. It's like, heavily you know. a, a bit of both. Is what I've discovered. I remember downloading is like quite a bit just a couple <laughs> years ago before buying vinyl was like amazingly popular again yeah. um, I was downloading music not to pigeonhole the artist and be like yeah I'm getting music for free and like you know I don't have to buy this stuff and putting you in a negative place where I'm supporting that artist in a sense because I, I just want to be a part of that culture yeah and understand yeah. you know so people yeah. download music not to you know I don't think anyone's trying no, to be but spiteful. Yeah, spiteful. No, but he's yeah, There's no intent there. Because the people, I would like it, do that. I'd it, download the album, but I'd go to the album. I mean, go to the, the live show and buy a T-shirt, and, and you know the money is uh, right, yeah, purchased in, a ticket. In, in, that in so all music. goes back into it. 
It's a uh, right in a way, yeah. In the music industry specifically, it's about shows. Right it's now, about it's about it's about touring. It's about merchandise. It's about you know all that type of stuff. Music right now, although it's just it's it's crazy to think although that you, you have know, to have good music to, to be have, a yeah. relevant band. Music <laughs> is put on the the back burner somehow, yeah. like buying the it's, music. Yeah, like people do buy vinyl. Last CDs are like CDs are still sold, but I remember when we were about to put out our album, our label had said that we were not even sure if we were going to do CDs at the time. We were oh, just going to wow. do digital download and vinyl because <laughs> vinyl was up. Yeah. People buy vinyl more, and sure enough, when we came to you know people play still, shows, people, people still buy CDs. People buy CDs, CDs but a lot of people, people ask about vinyl, and before we even had it, people would ask, "Were well, you guys a vinyl?" And we're like, yeah, "I guess it's." popular yeah. demand and yeah like I, I see the same thing when I go to an artist like I'd rather buy the vinyl and just get the digital download off the album yeah or just if it doesn't come with that album I have a uh, USB record player and you could just rip the songs <laughs> right into my computer which is like more tedious like, it's nice when you buy the album they have the little iTunes card in there and you're right and download it bump it in straight but, away. but like either way you still get the music so yeah I buy the vinyl before CDs personally yeah me too so what's next for you guys? Uh, you know, what's what's this summer hold? Are you touring all over the place? Uh, you know, I think it, so. yeah. I think of course. Without even having to see any dates booked, I know that they're gonna have us busy. <laughs> Summertime we is. Have, we don't have any, you know, dates announced right now. We're getting, we're, we're getting there. We'll we got, we got some shows coming up. This tour is literally the start. We're about. To, this is the first mm-hmm. show tonight. Right on. Um, have you already started thinking about the follow-up to Pink Palms? We're doing it right now. Yes. Right now, so we're, we're doing it right now. now. We've been I'm not, not recording right now, but no, we've got more than like, we've been, like we've been, 10, 15 songs that like, we would love to put on the album, and we're going to keep on We don't know if it's going to be 10, like a 15 no, no, song album. No, no, I'm saying you recorded like 20 songs of the album, and they picked like 10, 12. Yeah, we got a lot. We're working on a lot of tracks right now. It's doing really good. So Always have music. It's Between me and Anaya, whether it's me writing on my own, and I writing on his own, and us bringing things together, we've got a lot of music. So. It's, it's sounding good right now. We're, we're yeah. thinking about there's some stuff we're we're talking about doing for this next record, yeah. and it's just taking st- a segment. Yeah, taking a step back and with, recording in it in terms of in terms of the the, the, the music, production, yeah, the production, the music, keeping it more classically. Uh, just like I always use the same example whenever I've spoke about it. Just I said I listened to Creep um, by Radiohead and Tom York played just guitar and vocals, and you can hear Creep is a hit before they add any of the drums, the distortion, anything else. It's bare bones amazing you know? yeah. and I just wanted to focus more on classically just classic songwriting skills not to say yeah. that we're not going to have drums on it drums are going to be on every song still and yeah. I is going to be an extremely not, like, vital part of the writing process he's going to play guitar it, on it no, and everything it was, too but I, not that I didn't really, I did not that you didn't but you're yeah, like no, I'm going to force you to play I did a lot of like, not you do the solo instead of me like and <laughs> see it like, like Pink Palms was produced it was a nice produced record that's something we wanted to do we wanted to do that for a, for a while and it was great. It turned out really good. People yeah. liked it. And now we're, you know, this mm-hmm. next record specifically, we're just gonna, and maybe for the, who knows, for whatever's next, we're gonna, if we like the way we're yeah. gonna do this next record, maybe we might do the record yeah, after that like that. Who knows? Sure. You know. Cool. But well, it's, what it is, is it's just it's like I said, basically, yeah. basically writing songs that speak for itself minus the production. If we play the song just guitar and drums and it sounds amazing, we're, we're satisfied. We're gonna awesome. record it like that and, and add a give the song what it needs but never overdress it you know like yeah. I always get bummed out when I watch like Tiara <laughs> yeah like Tartalus and Tiara's like those girls are so cute and they could be so adorable <laughs> if they weren't wearing a crap ton of makeup and wearing dresses and Saturday stuff falls. that's not yeah Saturday. but that's my point it's like yeah. it was beautiful as it was before you put the wig and the fake teeth on your kid and the lipstick and then the, mm. the, the it can make them dance weird and walk like a robot <laughs> my point good, exactly don't analogy. overdo it don't overdo analogy, it but let's, yeah. let's stop there well, well, stop. i'm all about <laughs> metaphors and analogies <laughs> but you get yeah, the point I, like, you're right you're right that's yeah, a, that's, so that's what the next one's before it starts to get a little creepy before it starts to get creepy exactly that's awesome all right we'll wrap it up
Yeah, we'll wrap it up, guys. Uh, thank you so much, Makai and Anaya. Uh, Very awesome good to see you guys again, again man. man. Wonderful. Awesome to see you guys. And that does it for another episode of Diffuser Radio. Our next show will feature an interview with the lovely Janet Devlin from Ireland, and our roundtable discussion will dive into Record Store Day. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Diffuser Radio. Make sure you stay up to date with everything happening in the world of alternative and indie rock at diffuser.fm. Until next time, don't follow the leaders. Watch the parking meters. Come on.